And I'm TJ. I'm going to be the first preacher tonight of Lord knows how many. Not enough, that's for sure. Um, Turn with me to Psalms chapter number 69. Today um, my sermon is titled, Sinking Deep. I've come to the realization lately that it's really hard to read your Bible if it's upside down. Catholics preach otherwise, but we're not talking about that topic today. Alrighty, Psalms chapter number 69, we're going to start reading in verse number 1. It says, Save me, O God, for the waters are come in unto my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come in unto deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. My eyes fail while I wait upon the Lord. Sometimes we can find ourselves in these kind of situations where it might be an addiction. It could be any pain, loss of a loved one. But we find ourselves stuck in this miry pit, stuck in this sinking water where it's hard to find our foot in. And sometimes it can be like sinking sand. Um, it, the Bible uses the word um, deep mire. That's like a muddy pit where the more you struggle to pull yourself back up, the more you find yourself sinking deeper and deeper into it. And amongst these trials, we always ask the question, what can I do? What can I get out of, how can I get out of the situation? Now, firstly, we find that we need to stop trying to get out of this situation on our own. You see, the psalmist starts off his prayer saying, Save me, O God. You see, how often do we find ourselves when we're in a situation trying to get back to the surface? Do we find ourselves trying to use our own strength? You see, as you're struggling, you're trying to power through it with all the courage and all the muscles you have, you just find yourself shuffling down deeper and deeper when the best solution is one that we always grudge hearing. It's something we've grown up here in if you've grown up in church, and that is to go to the Lord. You see, you're sick of hearing it, and trust me, I've been at times where I've been sick of hearing it, but going to the Lord is the best solution and a sure way of getting out of the situation. You see, in verse number 13, it says, but as for me, my prayer is unto thee, O Lord, in an acceptable time, O God, in the multitude of thy mercy, hear me, in the truth of thy salvation, deliver me out of the mire, And let me not sink. Let me be delivered from them that hate me and out of the deep waters. See, I used to think to myself all the time, prayer, going to the Lord, that's so easy. I can do this. I've got this. I'd always avoid praying because I'd be like, that's a simple solution. It can't be that simple. Friends, let me tell you something. It is that simple. The Lord has given us the privilege to come to him in prayer in our personal lives. And oftentimes we find ourselves ignoring that privilege And thus we're shuffling deep and down deeper into that muddy, into the quicksand, not being able to get a grasp. There's a lovely quote that I've heard. I have no clue where it comes from. It says, when it's hardest to pray, you should be praying the hardest. But maybe you've lost your faith. Maybe you feel like God's left you alone to drown. You're not the first person to feel like that if that's the case. You feel like God's left you there, like like his presence isn't known to you. Turn with me a few pages over to Psalm 77, because there is a man that went through that. We're going to start in verse 1, Psalm 77, 1. It says, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Thou, thou holdest my eyes waken. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. 
I communed with my own heart, and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean, gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? How many times do we feel like that? How many times do you get in a tough situation and you're like, God's presence isn't here. Did God forget to be gracious to me? Does God's mercy not reach me? Maybe I did something wrong. Maybe, maybe I made God mad to where his mercy isn't shown on me. But let's continue reading. It says in verse number 10, And I said, This is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy works and talk of thy doing. The Lord, or thy Lord, thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so good a God as our God? Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. You see, as, as, as this psalmist thinks to himself, doubting God, is God still there? You see, what he does is he takes his past experiences and matches it up. You see, you see the psalm writer, he, he struggled with that faith. But you see, as he looks back, sometimes we just, when, as we're sinking down in that quicksand, we just need to take a step back. And put into a picture the wonders that God has done. You know what? If you're saved tonight, God has done a wonder. August 12, 2013, my sins were lifted. I don't, I don't walk in the, the old flesh anymore. I'm a new creature. And we can always look back to that point where God brought us out of. You see, um, think back to those showers of blessings. And never forget that his word says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And really... We ought to have faith that he will deliver us. Turn back to Psalms chapter number 40. You see, the same situation that we read in verse number six, or chapter 69 is happening right here in Psalms chapter 40. Verse number 1 says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. You see, this really shows us how the Lord hears our prayers. And we might not get an answer fast. It says right here in verse number one that I waited patiently. Although we pray every single night and say you, you have that faith in God, say that you know that his grace, grace is there, it still might not come at the time, but it says that blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust. You see, as he waited patiently in return, the Lord pulled him out of that muddy pit, out of that situation that he was in. We don't know the exact situation. It could have been, it could have been his enemies hated him. He could have been discouraged. It could have been any situation, but you, you can picture yourself there as you patiently wait on the Lord to get out of your addiction, if you patiently wait on the Lord to help you through the loss of a loved one, that trust will bring forth blessings. You see, look, I know, I know what I'm preaching, or I know I'm not preaching anything new here. You see, if you've attended church for a while, then you've probably heard this a million times. But the truth of the matter is, if you go to the Lord in prayer for 10 minutes, more if you have the time, but none less than 10 minutes, and just open up your heart to him, 
and genuinely open up your heart um, because he understands what you're going through more than anybody else can. When you open up to the Lord, he knows. He died for you. He loves you enough to listen. As, as you take your time to open up the heart to the Lord, you might realize or start to realize that his grace never left, but that we've simply chosen to ignore it. You see, although the waters rush around us, and although it feels like there's no foot in that we're seeking deeper, there is hope, there is surety, and there is a Savior from all adversity. And that is Jesus Christ. But the question is, will you go with him? Will you, will you grip onto his arm as he pulls you out of that pit? Will you put your trust in him? Or, or will you try your hug his hardest to struggle and get out of the sand alone? I can't decide for you. Isaiah would like to come at this time. All right, give me one second. All right, so the title of the message today is The Representation of Christ. Now, when you're representing Christ, not only are you representing your church and Christ, but when people see you representing Christ, um, they're going to judge your entire uh, religion based on what you do. So kind of like what uh, Pastor was talking about, the atheist, that was saying if you're not evangelizing, if you're not talking about someone and you truly believe that those people are going to go to hell if they're not saved, then you should be talking to everyone you should. One of those parts of being able to, um, to witness to people is representing Christ and not seeming like other people. Um, this message might not pl- apply to you if you're not saved, but I can tell you tonight that I'm sure you'll learn how to get saved tonight. Um, so the first verse I want you guys to look at is Matthew 5.16. So if you guys want to go ahead and turn to that. Um, so I actually wrote this message on a plane, which is interesting. So uh, we left Ohio, and we headed to Arizona. We got to Texas, and then on the plane, we were headed to Arizona, and we got in within halfway at the end of the day but we were two hours behind once we got into Arizona so it's like I just wrote this message and it never the time I wrote it was like zero so <laughs> kind of if you think about it all right <laughs> so Matthew five sixteen. let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven so I have three points uh 50 different sub points I mean just kidding um like six sub points uh okay so point number 1 is the mirror of deception are you behaving like everyone around you um in order to not stand out um Ephesians 2:16 says for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should work and walk in him so if we are not standing out as someone who's different, if we walk around with a mopey face and we don't look happy, no one's going to want what you have. If you, I don't know, this is just a random uh, example, but if you have a, if you're super rich and you walk around like a poor person, they're not going to think you're very rich, are they? So God has saved you. He died for you on the cross. He paid for your sins. And if we don't represent him, then we're, we're almost disrespecting him. So if you have a father or a mother and you have their last name, you represent them. And it's the same thing for children of Christ. Um, we as Christians need to not, not stand out for who we are, but what we represent. Um, 
back to what I said. And then point number two is the solid rock. Um, and I'll have you guys turn to 1 Corinthians 3.11. So you guys do that real quick. For other, for other foundation can no man lay than laid with G, which is Jesus Christ. Um, so if we are not standing out, like I said earlier, and we're just moving with the flow, no one, you're not going to have a solid foundation. You're going to be going with the flow, behaving like everyone around you. And like I said, you're not, no one's going to notice a difference. They're not going to see that you're happy, and you're not firm in your foundation, meaning that people, you can be swayed towards other directions in your life and it can bring you sadness or grief or guiltiness um are we like other pebbles around us are we or are we grounded in firm foundation like the solid rock do we shift by being like those around us or are we afraid to be firm in our beliefs so is it fear that's holding us back from standing firm in christ now jesus um like I said, died on the cross for your sins, and he took all of your pain and all of your suffering so he could take your sins away. So if you don't, if you don't uh, represent him, sorry, I'm trying to find my notes here, and you won't be firm. Um, and then point number three is pointing the world to Christ. We need to make sure that we aren't misre- misrepresenting our Heavenly Father. Um, so I actually, I worked at a, a retail store, and I had a lot of people I worked with, and they used words that I can't repeat, but um, they noticed that I did not use those words. Um, and I actually had one of my coworkers come up to me and was like, so I noticed that you don't use these words. Is there a reason why? And I said, well, yes, actually, there is a reason. I believe as a Christian that I can't use those words because it would be misrepresenting my religion and what I believe in. And they, they went ahead and actually asked me, they're like, well, so what do you believe in? And I'm like, well, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. I believe that God created the world. And she looked at me, and she looked a little confused, and she was like, do you mind explaining? And so I was able to explain to her um, kind of the whole, pretty much everything I could. And that I had her, like she said what she believed, and she said that she would definitely look into what I said to her. And I, I don't know where that's going to go, but at least I planted the seed. Um, but like I said, it's just so easy. Like just not doing that is so easy to represent Christ. And another thing is if we're not treating people well or if we just look like we're lazy and not working hard at, at work, if we're just kind of going with the flow, not only is your boss not going to notice, they're not going to notice a difference in you, but neither will your coworkers, um, people who are under you, people who are the same level as you. Christians can lead people to Christ, but we can also lead them away if we are not careful. So I, this can be said in the church too as well. If you have friends in the church and you aren't representing Christ and you're kind of just making jokes that aren't cool or funny and kind of just leading people astray and taking down people with you, it's like you're sinking and you're dragging everyone around with you. Um, and that's not good for a youth group and that's not good for a church because the youth group is our future. Um, so we need to stand strong as Christians and have good friends as well. 
The three R's of being a good Christian example. Now, I thought of these, and I wrote out three points, but uh, I accidentally got a fourth one in, but that was supposed to be a sub-point. So I'm going to go ahead and read the four points, the four R's of being a good Christian example. Um, Number one is respond with compassion and love. The way we respond to situations involving people can make or break the way people view you as a Christian. Now, I said earlier, you know, you represent the church and you represent Christ. So people... And nowadays, people, if they see one person, they think that the, the one person represents a majority of people. So that person's actions, um, things that they do, can misrepresent an entire group of people. And it's sad that we live in a day like that, but it's just what we live in. Um, we need to respect. We need to treat all people with the same amount of respect as we would our peers. Um, we need to respect a person who's homeless as we would a doctor. Um, if you remember, Jesus would sit with the publicans and sinners, and the people would the the uh, people would ask him why he would sit with the sinners, and he said, "Because why would a doctor or a physician uh, be with the healthy when they're sick?" So, if you're treating people badly because of situations, the way they look, the way they act, the way they talk, then not only are you misrepresenting God, but you're misrepresenting yourself. Um, and then we need to remember what Jesus, wait, sorry, we need to represent. And then I'll have you guys turn to 1 Corinthians 10.31. 1 <clears throat> Whether, therefore, ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. So, now you are representing God, um, you're representing the church, now are we bringing glory to God? So, glory is kind of what we do in our life, and what we bring to God, and what we bring to the table. Now, we're not perfect, I'm not saying anyone here is perfect as a Christian, I am definitely not perfect, you can ask my parents. Um, (laughs) uh, But, I mean, we can do as much as we can before we get to God, and it'll be a lot easier when we are sitting in the judgment seat, and he's... Well, obviously we're saved, but all of our sins, all of our burdens will be cast into the, lake, the, the fire. Um, and so wouldn't it be nice if there weren't as much things to throw in the fire? <laughs> um, and then to sum it all up, Jesus died for your sins. What are you doing to sacrifice for him? And then I'll go ahead and have Brian Naus come to the stage. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to John chapter number 14. John chapter number 14. John chapter 14, we're going to read verse number 6. Familiar verse to many of you, but we're going to read it anyway. John chapter 14, we will read verse number 6. John chapter 14, verse number 6. The Bible says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but but by me. Before we begin, let's pray and ask God to bless the message. Father, I thank you for this day that you've given us, God, and I thank you for the opportunity you've given me to preach, and I thank you for the ability you've given us all to come in today. Um, Just help me as I preach. Help me not to get in the way and to give what you'd have me to give. Bless the message as it goes out and help to land on fertile ground. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 
So a good look at our country and our world today will tell you that our country is not getting any better, and neither is our world. And it just so happens to be that with each coming generation, it is, each generation is more secular and more atheistic than the generation before it. Our world is running further and further away from God. And when you run from God, as God says what he is here, you are running away from the very way, the truth, and the life. So I want to look at these three things here that God, Jesus says he is, the way, the truth, and the life, and how this applies to us and what happens when the world runs from it. So firstly, we look at Jesus is the way. When he's talking about the way here, he's talking about the way to heaven. Um, if you read this passage before, Thomas asks, what is the way to heaven? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the only way to heaven, as he says here. Religion and the world will try to tell you otherwise, that there are many ways to heaven, that if you just be a good person, you'll get there one day. But a careful study of scripture will show you that that is not the case. The Bible says that we are all sinners, and the price that we must pay for sin is eternal separation, eternal death. Um, That is the only way we can pay for our sins. But Jesus did what we could not do. He lived a perfect life on this earth, and and then he died on the cross, was buried, and rose again the third day to pay for our sins that we could live with him forever. He did what we were not able to do, and he paid for our sins. All we have to do is accept that gift, and we can live with him. He has made the way for us. If you're in here today and you have not accepted Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, I beg you, I implore you, do that today. There's no better decision you will ever make in your life. Secondly, we look at not only is Jesus the way, but Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the Jesus is the very essence of truth, the only truth. The world, and as the world runs away from God, they run away from truth itself. One good reason they may run from truth is, at times, truth can be painful. Truth can hurt. What does the truth tell us? The truth tells us that we are all sinners and nothing we can do can make us good. That's not something that's necessarily fun to think about, but it is the truth. Um... And when they, they think that when they run away from God and run away from truth, they're running away from bondage and they're running from something bad. But in reality, truth is good and truth is what makes us free. John 8.32 says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We can be free because we know the truth that we are sinners, and because we know the truth, we can fix the problem. Ignoring the truth will, lead, will leave the problem there and will lead to the problem eventually killing you. The world may run from truth. The world may run from truth, but as they run from truth, they are running from freedom itself. Now, there are those out in the world that aren't running from the truth. They just simply don't have the truth. We as Christians in this room, if you are saved, if you have accepted Jesus Christ's way of salvation, then you have that truth. We live in it. We bathe in it. We read it every single day of our lives. Yet many times we don't share it with anyone else. The truth is not made for us only. It was made for the world. When was the last time you shared the truth with someone else? Thirdly, we see that not only is Jesus the way, not only is Jesus the truth, we see that Jesus is life. Jesus is the very essence of life, he created life, and he sustains life. Um, I just lost my train of thought there. Um, And as the world runs away from Christ, they run away from life. They run to the only thing that they can do themselves. They run to death itself. Um, our, our country especially has uplifted death and made death sound like a good thing. 
from everything with abortion and euthanasia. They make death sound pleasant when it is not. Um, all the world, the world may act like it offers so much, but all it offers is death. We as Christians have life in God. If you're a Christian, God has given you eternal life. And yet so many times we run from the one who gave us life to those who can only give us death. So, in summary, how does all this apply to us? So first of all, if you are, as I said earlier, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, please do so today. There is absolutely no better decision you can make in your life. You will not regret it, and, you will, and God will give you eternal life. If you are... If you are a Christian in here today, we have the way, the truth, and the life, and we know him personally. Yet so many times we won't share it with others. When was the last time you gave out a track? When was the last time you shared the truth with somebody else? Or maybe you've been running and doing what the world tells you to do. Christ is the one that has life, not the world. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Thank you. And now we are going to, let's all stand and sing. We are going to sing our theme chorus, um, which is, Be Strong in the Lord. Matthew, Matthew chapter 24 tonight, if you will. My name is Jimmy, and tonight I will be preaching for you a sermon I have entitled, Warning, Danger Could Be Ahead. Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to go down to verse number 44. It says, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Jump down here to verse number 48. But and if that evil servant shall, shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray tonight. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here this evening. I thank you for all the young men and women, Lord, who are serving in this service. I pray for them, and that you would calm any nerves, and they would do their best, that may, all may be done to honor and glorify you. pray you'd bless the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, Lord, that they would be acceptable in your sight. Allow me... Allow you to speak through me, Lord. We ask all according to your will, and in Jesus' name, amen. In the verses that were before these, we see how Jesus is talking about that he will be coming back, and we can see that we need to be ready for when he is coming. In these verses we read here, I believe we can pull out three warnings tonight. First of all, there's a warning to the Christians. Christians, we have been given a command in God's word to go out and spread the gospel to every creature. I will give you the illustration tonight of a young boy whose mother wakes him up one morning and says, Billy, now you have one task today. Your task today is to go out front and rake all the leaves in the lawn. Now you have to get done before dark because that's your bedtime. So he says, okay, I can do that. And he comes in about lunch. His mom says, now you haven't raked the leaves yet. I need you to get that done today before dark. You have a deadline. He says, okay, I can do that. And he comes in at dark and his mom says, do you rake the leaves today? He says, no. He says, why not? You know what? He says, I don't know. He has no excuse. His mother told him, and we have been warned over and over again, if we don't do our job, we have absolutely no excuse to pull before God and say, well, I didn't do it because this. God has told us clearly what our command is. Second of all tonight, there's a warning to the unsaved. 
You see in the book of Revelation where it says in chapter 20, verse number 15, and whosoever's name was not found written in the book of life, they were cast into the lake of fire. People ask, how can a loving God send people to hell? I'll use another illustration of a man who stole a car. He appears in court and the judge tells him, now I'm giving you a bail of a million dollars, knowing that the man can never pay it, a million dollars or the death sentence. Now, we know that he probably could not pay that million dollars, and he couldn't. So the judge says, now hang on, before you get your sentence, here's a million dollars right here. I'll give it to you. You can pay your debt, and you're free as a bird. You can leave right now. And the man says, he has pride, and he says, no, I don't need your gift. I'm fine on my own. I think I can figure it out. What's he get? He gets the death sentence. You see, God offers a free gift to all those who are not saved. And God offers it very clearly. He says, this is what I have. You also will not have an excuse before God because God has said this is what's going to happen if you don't choose this free gift. We also see a third warning about the end. Christians, we know our end turns out well. We've read the back of the book. We know that we win. We go to heaven with God. But that should not get in the way of our job right now to go and tell the world about Jesus. But unbeliever, I want to talk to you tonight. The Bible says... Their end will have weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let me tell you something else tonight. It also says you have right now. You have right now that you can come and know God. And if you can hear me, it's not too late for you to come to God. Jesus, the perfect lamb, died on the cross for your sins. If you only repent and turn to him today. First, you have to understand that God says sin is not all right. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. James 1.15 says, sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. But... God does have a cure. Romans 5.21 says that as sin doth reign unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23 says, For the wage of sin is death. And then there's a but. Aren't you glad for that but in there? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, the creator of the universe, the Lord God, Jehovah God, the Alpha and Omega, the Good Shepherd, the way, the truth, the life, the beginning and the end. He wants to have a relationship with you tonight so you can come and live with him forever. You want to know how much he wants to have a relationship with you? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. God so loved each and every one of us. God so loved your friends, your family, your neighbors, your co-workers, that he gave his only begotten son. God had one son. He was perfect. But they nailed him to the cross, and he died and rose again three days later to pay for your sins and for mine. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in Him, that's not conditional, whosoever, anyone in the world can come to God for repentance. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. You will not die. You will live with God, and you will have everlasting life like the verse promises. God promises that, and He does not go back on His promises. You've heard it said many times, but God says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you only ask and believe by faith that God will save you, He will take you in and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Maybe you've heard your whole life about the gospel, but hearing your whole life does not get you one step closer to getting saved. You have to take that next step on your own and decide to come to God. But God still waits. But after a time, God will say that's enough. I've given you opportunities. I've given you chances. You've sat in church Sunday after Sunday, week after week, invitation after invitation, and you have sat there and said, I don't need God. God will say, that's enough. You've had plenty of time. Don't get to that point tonight. You still have a chance to come to God, come to Jesus. In conclusion tonight, God waits for you to make a decision. Christian, 
Maybe you've gotten away from God, and maybe you're not spreading the gospel like you know you should. But God says you can still come back to Him. Maybe you need to make that decision tonight, an unbeliever. Maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the only way to salvation. You need to understand that you need that. And if you don't, you will get that death sentence. What decision you make now will determine what happens to you next. What decision will you make tonight? Landon, would you come and preach for us? So today I'm going to be bringing you a message that I titled, No Thought of Tomorrow. Um, First, let's open a prayer. God, thank you for this wonderful opportunity you've given to all of us teens to preach. Uh, But let your word speak through me and help me to be a blessing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so turn to Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. While you're turning there, uh, my first point is we all want our lives to count for something. If I were to ask every single one of you guys, I guarantee you would all say you want your life to count for something or to have a meaning. See, it doesn't matter if you're saved or not, but we all want a meaning for our life. People use everything this world offers to fill a void that's left when they aren't saved, when they don't have God's plan for their life. It's like, it's a weird example, but it's like a donut. It has a hole in it, right? You never fill the hole. You can get these donut holes, but the donut always has a hole in it. And they'll use drugs, they'll use music, they'll use multiple different sources to try to fill that. And none of it ever works. The only thing that will ever fill that hole is God's purpose and salvation. Having God come into your heart and cleanse you of your sins is the only thing that will fill that void. That is what salvation means. And if you aren't saved, I encourage you to get that settled today. Don't wait. We are not promised tomorrow. And we never know when Jesus is coming or when we're going to die. But I encourage you to get that settled today. My second point is serving the Lord and his plan for our life. God has a plan for each and every one of us. We just have to follow his will and serve him every day. If you let God control your life, he will open and close doors where he needs to and guide your path for his plan for your life. Everything we do should glorify God. As it says in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. But Satan is going to try to tempt us. He was willing to tempt God. He's going to be willing to tempt us. But God is never going to leave us. And through God's power, we can fight Satan's temptation. As it says in Joshua 1, 9, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Now, my third point is our mindset. <clears throat> where, our minds are, are, where our minds are set is what controls our life. Is the world controlling your life, or is God controlling your life? The world has this mindset that it tries to install in each and every one of us Christians that that we should live every day like there is no tomorrow. Yes, we are not promised a tomorrow, but we are not promised that there is not a tomorrow either. We, We don't know when God's coming back, but what I think according to 1 Corinthians 10, 31, um... We should have a mindset and wake up every day 
with the mindset that every day is a new opportunity to glorify God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. <clears throat> we, and if we live like there's no tomorrow, what happens if there is a tomorrow? We're going to wake up, face some music, that, and face some mistakes that we made the prior day. And the day that we could have spent living our lives for God, the day we could have spent saving another soul for God, when we don't know when he's going to return, and if you miss that opportunity that you have, that God gave to you to share the word of God with a soul, you might miss that opportunity, and that person might not get saved just because you missed that opportunity. <clears throat> the, but the two main points I want you to get is that if you aren't saved, I encourage you to do that today. Don't wait. Um, it doesn't matter if you're old or if you're young. Get saved. It, you can ask Wes. None of us are going to judge you, no matter how old you are or anything. It's important that you get saved. We're all going to be right there encouraging you as soon as you make that decision. But the second point is, live today as if you have a new opportunity to bring glory and honor to God. I encourage you to wake up, think about that, because that will make you want to serve God every day of your life. Now, I would like to have Matthew come and bring his message. If you would turn with me to Luke chapter 16 tonight. Luke chapter 16. Always loved being the last preacher because it always made me feel like, always made me felt like the keynote speaker, but came to realize that it's almost an hour in and most of you guys are ready to go. So I ask that you just give me the next 10 minutes uh, of your time. Luke chapter 16 tonight in your Bibles. Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse 19. Tonight I want to talk to you on the reality of heaven and hell. Beginning in verse 19, there was a certain man, uh, excuse me, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared some, you can talk to me after the service if you know what that says, every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, verse 21, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Verse 24. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Verse 25. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Verse 29, Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Last verse, verse 31. And he said unto them, unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, 
neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Tonight I want you to notice the reality of hell, excuse me, the reality of heaven and the reality of salvation. Let's pray. Father God, we pray tonight that you work in a mighty way, that you do what only you can do, God, and that you work in my heart and everyone else's heart. God, get me out of the way. Just speak as only you can and use me as a vessel, and I pray you'd be seen and heard tonight and that you just work in everybody's heart. God, if there's someone in here tonight or watching on the live stream who is not saved, I pray they get that settled today. And God, we ask these things according to your will, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Firstly, the reality of hell. Look at verse 22 again. The Bible says, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. See, friend, I want you to notice tonight that hell is not a place where you're just going to be able to kick back and relax, crack open a nice cold beer and hang out with the guys. Hell is real. The pain, the suffering you're going to experience if you die without Jesus Christ is going to be real. Hell is not going to be a place where you can just relax. It's going to be serious, the pain, the suffering. Now, friend, I'm not preaching this to beat you over the head. I'm not preaching this to make you feel bad and try to get you all down and all that. I'm telling this because I care about you. I care about where you go. If you had a, if you had a sickness, would you want to know? If you had cancer, would you want to know? Right, wouldn't you? So what I'm trying to do tonight is show you that you have a sickness, that, I've had a, that I have a sickness, and it's called sin. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm not perfect. The pastor ain't perfect. Pope ain't perfect. The president ain't perfect. And none of us are. We've all sinned. And the Bible says, for all have sinned. And friend, this sickness, this thing called sin leads to death. But God made a way for the relationship with man and himself to be restored. And we'll look at that more in just a moment. Secondly, I want you to notice the reality of Heaven. So when you see in this passage that Lazarus is not living the most comfortable life physically, he doesn't have the best food, the best money, and all these things, and he dies and he goes to Abraham's bosom. Now Abraham's bosom is where the justified would go before Jesus Christ came and did what he did and and all that. And so this is where they would go before Christ came and, and did what he did. But now that Christ has come and he's done what he's done, the justified no longer go to Abraham's bosom. We know now go to heaven. And I think many of times we long for heaven. We see that this life, we just we deal with things. We deal with saying goodbye to family members as they go into eternity. And we struggle and we struggle with our own sin. And we long for that day when we can see our Savior. And I want to remind you, believer, that one day you will. One day you're going to be with God. One day this pain, this suffering, this sin, you're not going to have to deal with it any longer. Despite our sin... Despite the fact that we have lived ungodly, God still sent Jesus into the world to save us, and I'm thankful he did. He saved me, and he saved one of my friends. His name was Josh. Josh was 19 when he went home to be with the Lord. His life was short, but just in those 19 years, the way that God used Josh was incredible. He only had 19 short years on this earth, but what God did with him in those 19 years, the people who heard the gospel, the time, all the times he praised Jesus, all, all that God used them for, It's incredible. And friend, I remind you that you have one short life. This life is not going to last forever. One day this building is going to be gone. One day everybody in here is going to be six feet under eventually. We're not going to live forever on this earth. The Bible says in James 4.14, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. I'm not going to live forever. I have one short life. And so do you. But after death, after we die, where will you be? And that will take us into our third and final point 
the reality of salvation. Despite the fact that you and I have sinned, despite the fact that we have lived ungodly, God still sent Jesus into the world to save us. The Bible says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus came to this world. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He lived a perfect and sinless life, and at one point in his life, a woman anointed his body with ointment. You say, Matthew, what was that done for? That was done for his burial. So you say, will he die? He did die. He died on a cross. He died for our sins. He died for my sins. He died for yours. We're not perfect. We can't earn our way to heaven. It doesn't matter your dress code. It doesn't matter how many rules you're keeping. It doesn't matter if you're trying to keep up with the Ten Commandments and watch good things and pray eight times a day and read the Bible through in 24 hours as much as you can. It doesn't matter all that you do outside of Jesus Christ. You will die and go to hell. But that's not all I came. I didn't just spend, well, I didn't spend enough time studying. But the amount of time I did spend studying, I didn't just spend, oh, I'm going to come and tell these people they're bound for hell and that's it. No, there is a way. There is hope for you. And there is hope for me, and it's Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 4, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. Christ is alive, and he's here. And friend, Jesus is alive. He's not dead. If you go to that tomb, you're not going to find bones. You're not going to find a cart, but you're not going to find someone's body. He's gone. Well, he walked out. He's alive. God raised him from the dead. And friend, you can be reconciled to God tonight, not because you're good, not because I'm good, not because I read the Bible, not because you do, not because you pray, not because you hand out a half a dozen tracts everywhere you go. You can go to heaven. You can know you're going to heaven tonight because God gave his son, he died on the cross, he was buried and he rose again and he's alive. And God can forgive you tonight and save you if you'll come. God is greater than my sin. He's greater than yours. He's greater than your past. All the messed up stuff that you've done in your life can be forgiven tonight. All the things that keep you up at night, all the sin that you can't forget because of the people it affected, the people that the way it affected you, you can be forgiven tonight. And not because you're good, not because I deserve it, not because you deserve it. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not, sorry, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Bible says in Acts 16.31, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. It does not matter how many rules you're trying to keep, and it doesn't matter how much you try to read the Bible. There is only one way to God, and it's through Jesus Christ. Somebody quoted John 14.6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's what Jesus said. He is the way. He is the only way to God. And friend, repentance and faith, they go hand in hand. And repentance isn't just saying, God, I'm sorry. Repentance is seeing yourself as God sees you, which uh, I know a lot of times we like to think highly of ourselves, right? For me, I like to think, um, well, God humbles me sometimes. So there's, I'll, I'll tell you a story. I'd been preaching for probably just a few months, and so this was my third time getting up in front of people. And I got in front, uh, up in front of the youth group. I'm reading my you know, outline. It looks like... Chinese hieroglyphics and I'm trying to read it and I, I just screwed up I got prideful I was like I got this this is like my third or fourth time in front of people and it just it, it, it went downhill and so we're not good we can't earn our way to God and, and repentance is seeing yourself as God sees you and turning from your sin to God then the belief isn't just saying oh yeah I believe in God yeah I believe in that chair that chair is there but I don't know if that was the best example but when I 
Here, scratch that. We'll think of something else. But no, you repent, you believe. It's not just, oh, I believe God exists. Well, yeah, I do believe God exists, but I didn't get it saved when I was like, you know what? God does exist. I got saved when I placed my faith in, when I placed my faith in Jesus Christ and God, for God to save me. And the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Friend, there is no good deed. There is no amount of Bible you can read, no amount of good deeds you can do, which none of us are good. No amount of time you can spend in prayer that's going to get you one second into heaven. Not one second that's going to get you into the presence of Almighty God in heaven. There is only one way, and it's through Jesus Christ and Him and Him alone. And your sins can be forgiven tonight. You can go from someone who is on your way to hell to on your way to heaven tonight. Not because we deserve it. Not because you did something good. Not because, like we've said, you've read your Bible, you've prayed, you've done all these good things. But because of God that He, well, because of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And friend, you might be lost tonight. And I'm begging you and I'm praying with you. And just like all these guys have said, we're pleading with you. Come to him. Come to him tonight. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all you've done. Lord, we just pray that you work in a mighty way tonight and do what only you can do and use your word. Pray if there's someone in here tonight who hasn't received you, God, that they would come to realize that they're a sinner in need of you and that they would repent and believe. Lord, we ask these things according to your will, and we ask all these things in the only name um, who is worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name, amen.